Welcome to A Treasury of Good Things. I'm your host, Cheer Helton, and I'll start us off with a prayer before we begin our readings. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for placing on my heart this hymn and for helping our other readings to fall into place with that hymn. Father, I, I come into these podcasts every time wondering what you're going to have me speak about. I never plan ahead. I sit down and Whatever hymn has been in my mind that day, I know that's the one that you want us to sing. And then the pieces just come together, Father, and it's it's exciting. I'm as much a bystander to this as any of my listeners. And so, Father, I just, I pray for your blessings over this, knowing that you've already blessed it by giving me what you've given me. But I pray for each of my listeners that you would help them to hear something today that lodges in their heart and reminds them of you throughout the rest of their day. Thank you, Father, for being with us. Thank you for meeting each of us where we are at today. We love you so much, and we pray that you would help us to continue to love you more and more each day. In Jesus' name, amen. The readings today that really influenced what I decided to talk about stemmed from Fox's Book of Martyrs. So the next thing we're reading about in Fox's Book of Martyrs is really the real beginning of the persecution of the church. So not just the apostles being persecuted, um, not just church leaders, but Christians as a group were, were really sought out and persecuted. And we're going to be reading about Nero today. And so the tone of each of these readings of our liturgy, of our hymn, of our psalm, are all Um, focused on where that believer might have been, the despair of finding yourself in the frightening position of being persecuted and the doubt that maybe some of these Christians were feeling. I, I mean, a lot of times we read these stories about Christians and they do, they meet their end with a joyful heart, knowing that this is an offering up to God. But at the same time, there had to be Christians that were just grieved and and wondered, did I believe the right thing? You know, have I made a mistake? Am I dragging my family down a path that is going to lead to their end? For did did I miss something? Is this right? And so each of the readings today are focused on that place that we might find ourselves as a Christian in in doubting. But then, what do we do with doubt? What do we do when we're just not sure? When, when that little voice comes inside our head that says, well, you're a Christian because you were raised this way. You would have been a Buddhist if you'd been raised a Buddhist. Or how do you know you've gotten it right? Or if the Lord really loved you, why isn't he answering this prayer that you've begged on your knees for him to answer? All those horrible doubts that can creep up in our minds. And we've all been there. If we are an honest Christian, if we really are looking at, at our belief system critically, there have been times when we've thought, do I believe, am I getting this right? Is this, is this true? And so that can lead to some, some dark days that can lead to some, some dark nights as we question, and it can be frightening and scary. And these readings are all aimed at some of those feelings that we sometimes face as Christians. Um, so let me go ahead and begin. Our liturgy today is called a liturgy for nights and days of doubt. 
I would that my heart was ever strong, O Lord, my faith always firm and unwavering, my thoughts unclouded, my devotion sincere, my vision clear. I would that I dwelt always in that state wherein my belief, my hope, my confidence was rooted and certain. I would that I could remain in those seasons when a sailing storm seemed only to make faith stronger, proving your presence, your providence. But it is not always so. There are those other moments, as now, when I cannot sense you near, I cannot hear you, see you, touch you, times when fear, depression, or frustration overwhelm and I find no help or consolation, when the sea walls of my faith crumble and give way to inrushing tides of doubt. Have I believed in vain? Are your words true? They seem so distant to me now. Is your presence real? I cannot feel it. Do you love me? Or are you indifferent to my grief? Under weight of such darkness, how can I remember the sunlight of your love as anything more than a child's dream? Under weight of such doubt, how can I still proclaim in my own heart with certainty that you're real? And so, Jesus, I do now the only thing I know to do. Here I drag my heavy heart again into this cleared and desolate space to see if you will meet me in my place of doubt, even as you mercifully met your servant Thomas in his uncertainty, even as you once acted in compassionate response to a fearful father who desperately pleaded, I believe, Lord, help me with my unbelief. For where else but to you might I flee with my doubts? You alone have the words of eternal life. This I know to be true, my Lord and my God. You are not in the least angered by my doubts and my questions, for they have often been the very things that led me to press closer to you, seeking the comfort of your presence, seeking to understand the roots of my own confusion. So also use these present doubts for your purpose, O Lord. I offer them to you. Even as the patriarch Job made of his pain and confusion a petition, even as the psalmists again and again carried their cries, their questions, their laments to you, so would I be driven by my doubts to despair of my own strength and knowledge and righteousness and control, and instead seek your face, knowing that when I plead for proof, what I most need is your presence. In your presence I can offer my questions, knowing you are never threatened by my uncertainties. They do not change your truth. My doubts cannot unseat your promises. You are a rock, O Christ, and your truth is a bulwark, and I might dash myself against until my strength is spent and I collapse at last in despair. Only then to feel the tenderness of your embrace as you stoop to gather me to yourself, drawing me to your breast and cradling me there, where I find I am held again by a love that even my doubts cannot undo. O oh Lord, how many times have you graciously led me through doubt into deeper faith. Do so again, my Lord and my God, even now, do so again. You alone are strong enough to carry the weight of my troubled thoughts, even as you alone are strong enough to bear the burden of my sin and my guilt and my shame, my wounds and my brokenness. O oh Christ, let my doubts never compel me to hide my heart from you. Let them rather arise as questions to begin holy conversations. Invert these doubts, turn them to invitations to be present, to be honest, to seek you, to cry out to you, to bring my heart fully into the struggle rather than to seek to numb it. Let my doubts become invitations to wrestle with you such dark nights of the soul as Jacob wrestled with the angel until the day breaks anew, and I am fresh wounded by your love and resting in the blessing of peace again in your presence. Now, O oh Lord, may the end result of my doubt be a more precious and hard-wrung faith, resilient as the Methuselah tree, and a hope more present and evergreen, a more tender and active mercy extended to others in their own seasons of doubting. So help me, my Lord and my God. I have no consolation but you. Meet me now in this eclipse shadow of my doubt. Lead me again into your light. 
Amen. I'm going to go right into Fox's Book of Martyrs. I don't think that that liturgy needs anything added from me. It was so, so wonderfully stated. And I think with that in our minds, that emotional state in our minds, let us go into the persecution under Emperor Nero. Nero was the sixth emperor of Rome and reigned for 15 years. He was a paradox, a man of great creativity combined with a vicious temper and extreme cruelty. It is said by many that it was Nero who ordered Rome to be burned and then blamed it on the Christians to turn the wrath of Rome's citizens away from himself. Others say, others say he was not in Rome when it burned. Whichever way it was, Christians were blamed for the fire that lasted nine days, and during which the hunt for Christians increased and became a dreadful persecution that lasted for the rest of Nero's reign. The barbarous acts against the Christians were worse than any that had previously endured, especially those committed by Nero. Only a Satan-inspired imagination could have conceived them. Some Christians were sewn inside skins of wild animals and torn at by fierce dogs. Shirts, stiff with wax, were put on others, and they were then tied to poles in Nero's garden and set on fire to provide light for his parties. This cruel persecution spread through the Roman Empire, but it only succeeded in strengthening the spirit of Christianity rather than killing it. Along with Paul and Peter, several of the seventy appointed by Jesus were martyred also. Among them, Erastus, treasurer of Corinth, Aristarchus, the Macedonian, Trophimus, the Ephesian, Beresobus, whose surname was Justus, and Ananias, bishop of Damascus, whom the Lord sent to Saul. I cannot imagine the deprivation of a person that would put a wax shirt on someone, tie them to a pole, and light them, and use them as torches for a party. Moreover, what was going on in the minds and the hearts of those who attended those parties? I think sometimes we look about us and we see the darkness of today and we think, could it get much worse? And I would venture to say, no one is putting a wax shirt on any of us Christians and lighting us on poles and putting us up in gardens for parties. I think that the world has seen dark days and has always seen dark days and it will see darker days and darker days. But there's nothing new under the sun. We don't need to spend time in fear and in worry. The Lord has asked much of his church, but the Lord is not asking more of us now than he has ever asked of us before. On the heels of our liturgy and our reading about Nero, let me share this hymn with you. This is a new hymn to me um, in the last couple years. I had not heard this hymn before, but I really, really, really like the text of this hymn. It goes along really well with the reading, the liturgy, and the history that we read um, because this hymn is addressed to the person who is in a, a season of, of depression, of sadness, of fear, of darkness, of, of wondering, Lord, where are you? Why, why are you letting this happen? And grappling with God. It's called God Moves in a Mysterious Way. And the text was written by William Cooper. He is a well-regarded early British romantic poet and the only one who also wrote hymns. Cooper's mother died when he was six years old and his father sent him to a boarding school. It was not a happy situation and he spent most of his life grieving for his mother. Though he was highly intelligent and learned multiple languages, he never sustained a job other than writing poetry or stories. 
Severe depression dominated his life, and often he did not want to live. But God sustained Cooper. John Newton, of the Amazing Grace, befriended and cared for him, which resulted in a close, lifelong friendship and collaboration. Together, they created the historically important hymnal, Olney Hymns. Renowned British hymnologist Eric Routley compares this hymn next to a Rembrandt painting. Its dark background sets off the bright light of truth in the foreground. Over it, Cooper wrote John 13:7, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. And the tune is from a Scottish Psalter from 1615. The tune Dundee first appeared in the Scottish Psalter of 1615, named after the city of Dundee, Scotland. The city was known as the Scottish Geneva during the Scottish Reformation. Written in a French style, it is sometimes called French. So the text of this beautiful hymn goes like this. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in unfathomable minds of never-failing skill, he treasures up his bright designs and works his sovereign will. You fearful saints, fresh courage take, the clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. His purposes will ripen fast, unfolding every hour. The bud may have a bitter taste, but sweet will be the flower. Blind unbelief is sure to err and scan his work in vain. God is his own interpreter, and he will make it plain. The line that, when I've sung this hymn before, the one that always chokes me up, is the one that says, You fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. Oh, aren't there things in our life that we that we are so fearful of? Uh, Lord, don't ask me, don't ask that of me, please. I'll take anything. Just don't ask that of me. Or we're, we're walking in a season where it feels like it's just not ending. The thing that God keeps asking of us is not ending. And we dread another day of it. And it says in this hymn so beautifully that the clouds you so much dread are big with mercy and shall break in blessings on your head. I could barely read that without tearing up because it is so true of the Lord that what he asks of us is never devoid of meaning. There is not one heartache, not one heartbreak he asks us to walk, that there is not something he will do with it. And I know that sounds in some ways like such a pat Christian thing to say, but I have from my own experience, the greatest griefs of my life have on the other side been the things that the Lord used the very most to make me into a person that's worth being around. I love I love that hymn. And this is the way the tune goes. God moves in a mysterious way his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Very simple. But boy, that text is deep, isn't it? All right, and now for our psalm. I chose Psalm 6. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. 
my soul is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there is no remembrance of you. And she, O, who will give you praise? I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears. I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me, all you wicked... Depart from me, all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in a moment. There are some things I think, I always I feel a prompting sometimes the Lord, the Lord um, not to expound on it. He doesn't need me to expound on his word. He will place in your heart what you need to hear. And I hope that that psalm met you today. I'm just going to close this out with some prayer. And if you are in a place right now where you just feel in the depths of despair, where you just feel desperate to be in the presence of the Lord, to feel his warmth, to feel his face shining upon you, then I'll pray for you especially today. Dear Heavenly Father, I don't know everything that's going on with each person who's heard this podcast, but you do. And Father, I just pray for anybody today who is finding themselves in deep despair. Please meet them today, Father, and show them your love. Show them how much you care about them. Let them feel the closeness, the intimacy that they so desire to feel. Father, don't hide your face from them. Lift up your countenance upon them, Father. Help them to find your face. Take their face in your hands, Father, and smile into it. Let them see you. Let them know you. Lift the darkness that's clouding their life. Comfort their heart, Father. Lord, I thank you that we can be honest with you about our deepest and darkest feelings. I thank you that there is nothing we have to hide from you. No sneaking around we have to do to keep you happy with us. Lord, thank you that we don't have to lie to you. Thank you that we can be so open and honest. Thank you that you want our openness and our honesty. Lord, I just pray that today we would find new life in you, new joy in you. Pour your light into our lives, Father, so that we might not doubt that you're there. Help us to feel you and know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you are upholding us. Lord, we love you. We love you with all our heart. Help us to love you more. Help us to know our need for you. Help us not to run away from you when we, when we doubt you, but help us to run to you. Father, protect us. Place your hand of blessing upon our heads and upon our hearts. Keep us safe from lies that would lodge in our hearts against you. Keep us safe from the doubts that Satan would fill our hearts with. Keep us safe from the lies that sound so true. Father, above all, don't let us believe the lie that you don't love us or that you're ashamed of us or that you wish we weren't part of your family. 
Father, bless us with an overflow of knowledge about how much you delight in us. In Jesus' beautiful name, amen. Thank you.